You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to another episode of Dear Multi-Hyphenate, straight from quarantine. I think I'm going to put on the uh, logo just like, you know, like a stamp. It's like we got to hear like a... And then like it's like a stamp and it's like from quarantine. But... Ultimately, I'm listening to myself talking like in a much better place than when I first started recording in quarantine. I'm like laughing at my own dad jokes. Um, but uh, also, I'm feeling super inspired because I just had a really awesome uh, workshop with um, the high school kids at Taravella High. And it was like bringing me down memory lane. I didn't even go to that school, but I loved what they were doing so much that in my dinner breaks in between rehearsals... Um, I, this is in high school, I was, you know, 16, 17, and uh, I would drive to that school from mine and chill out with everyone and just like be a, be a kid. It was almost like I was able to be a kid more at Taravella because uh, my school, we, um, we just imagine like a bunch of very serious kids like in a straight line, like walking through double doors, just like looking at the camera be like, we're here to fuck shit up. You know, like that was like, Oh, us. you were in that kind. Yeah. 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 It was, it was intense, but, but I mean like had like, I mean the positives, the positives were, were so prevalent and everything, but I also felt that I needed to have a different experience as well. And so talking with those kids was, um, was really amazing and joyful and we really got the ball rolling and um i i think that they learned some good stuff and uh, that's what you get with a workshop with michael kushner huh now okay so you already heard his voice hi and i'm so and i'm so excited to introduce him um very special guest uh with a very unique uh point of view of life and the business and art and uh, you are definitely multi-hyphenated. Uh, I am so w- excited to welcome my friend of, oh, God, almost 11 years. It's over a decade now, boo. <sighs> Ned Donovan. Hello. Hi. Can you, it's Hi. over a decade? It, I mean, I think so, right? If we go back to college, we all went to college together, spoilers. Uh, if we go back to college, I graduated college uh, eight you years were... ago. Wow. And wow, so yeah. therefore, yeah, 11 years. That's unbelievable. I, That's amazing. You know, I, I really, oh God, thinking about college, it just makes me want to take a shower. Like, I, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's not because necessarily like I... I First of all, like it just I guess it makes me feel dirty in all of the best ways, like not in a not in a like, ugh, but like in a one, we were dirty hippies. It was Ithaca. So like the grime that I scrubbed off my body after climbing the gorges took years. Sure. But, but ultimately, just like being a college kid and finding out so many aspects of ourselves, it takes a lot of chutzpah it takes a lot of balls to put yourself in a situation and be willing to lose yourself in order to find yourself yeah i mean i i i think back to my days coming out of high school and i was a weird i 
I've always kind of said, like, I've been a multi-hyphenate my whole life. Like, I came out of high school as, like, a jock theater nerd. Uh, I I did a lot yeah, of- Yeah, you played lacrosse, right? Yeah, I was a I was a two-sport varsity athlete, and I was very fortunate to go to a school where it wasn't weird to do that and all the musicals. Uh, I, and me, me, me too, except I didn't play, and I just had crushes on all of you. Sure, sure. We, we welcomed your attention, honestly. And- uh, uh, and then I played a lot of like nerdy stuff and I got to college and found a whole tribe of people who knew theater way better than I did. Uh, and so I always kind of identified myself through this kind of weird lens of watching people smarter than me go through it and then learning from examples. It's amazing. I mean, it, it's so funny because I've always, I've all, I, uh, there, you know, there are parts of me that has always identified as multi-hyphenate just because because I'd always dabbled in so many different aspects of myself. Like even in college, my my senior year, I was on the guest artist committee as well as a BFA musical theater. I was I was getting I was shipping in uh, guest artists from New York on a committee with our professors and hosting Best of Broadway, which was the radio state, the musical, the oh you know, yeah, Broadway. I forgot you did that over at every at the radio. Yeah, yeah, I listened to and that I, in my first year out. You helped me feel a little less scared of New York City. So thank you. Oh, thank you. And it's so funny because I didn't even live there yet. <laughs> <laughs> I was recording from Ithaca. I know, but it made me feel like a little slice of home for a little bit of time on a Sunday. I love that so much. You know, I, it was, and it was my, uh, it was my, it helped my itchiness as well because, um, you know, I, I, I love our friends, but I don't connect with, I, I don't do well sitting in front of YouTube and watching videos of the newest pop stars. I mean, maybe once in a while if I'm in the mood, but, um, that's not how I, I jam out. That's not how I vibe. I love listening to a Jerry Herman score or listen, we're getting lost in a score. I don't know. So that Sunday, every Sunday doing that show for two hours really helped me connect and feel less itchy to get out. So I'm glad that you got something out of that too. Yeah. It was really nice for me. You know, I, I, I similarly have never been the person who really feels connected when we're like sharing around great pop stars or even great performances of musical theater. Like it's just never, it never quite feels right to me. It's never something that I, I seek out. And so um, I got to Ithaca and one of my secondary skill sets, which, you know, hello multi-hyphenate is I did fight choreography and stunt work. And I did a lot of work with fake guns for films and sword fighting. And all of that led me to doing a lot of work um, with the film school and led me to doing a lot of work on the underground, which was the, for those of you listening, the, the, the kind of theater put on by students without any official sanction. And all of that sort of led me down this path of becoming a, a person who liked to work within the rules and do the art available to me by the official channels, but was really only happy when he was also doing something self-made somewhere. Um, that is correct. I, I, I remember watching you bounce around Dillingham, which was the, our building, our theater building. Um, I, I remember you bouncing around doing all of these things and doing things outside of the school, which I, in that moment, I did not like, I couldn't even fathom someone that has bounced around everywhere my whole life. When I got to school, 
it was the one time in my life, my freshman and sophomore year, maybe because it was review, maybe it was because of whatever, that I wasn't allowed outside. And the fact that you were doing stuff outside of the department was uh, extremely nerve wracking, but also inspirational. <laughs> well, thank you. We, uh, 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 it was part of my, you know, at Ithaca, they really want you to, to stay in. And I was very fortunate. They cast me in a lot of things. And so when I would talk to these faculty members, they would often say like, you need to be doing less. And my answer would be like, well, I'm still getting B's and A's and you're casting me in the main stage shows, which means I, I must be doing something right. And these are the things that bring me joy. So as long as I'm not doing something that's going to lead me to no longer be in the program or flunk out, then I, I'm going to keep doing what I want to do. And the faculty was very gracious enough to say like, do it, just don't let it affect your work. And it probably did. But I, I came out of Ithaca with a skill set of constantly wanting to make things that I think was really helpful to me in my first couple of years in New York. And it's interesting because, you know, our faculty, and I love them, I've even had uh, Cynthia Henderson, uh, our professor and director for a show that we did together um, as a guest on the show. And, you know, she uh, has so many things. She has so many amazing things going on. But it was like, it was like this moment of like, I'm going to clock that everything is possible everything is is re it's locked and loaded for me to like tackle but um i think what i had to personally do in my own journey was i had to just focus on studio classes for like two for those two for the first two years because i came in with so much so much stuff that was never, ever going to fly. So I'm actually really glad that I listened to my impulses and I listened to, um, I listened to, you know, that inner voice of me saying like, it's okay. And, and it's kind of what's happening with quarantine right now. It's like, it's okay to rest. It's okay to like marinate. You know, I've used this, um, this uh, uh, metaphor before, but it's like, you know, we're pieces of chicken we got to marinate before we're, we're ready for people to enjoy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I actually, that's funny. I use that exact metaphor when really? I talk, when I talk to people about ideas. Oh, um, cool. one, one of the reason that I, people always ask me like, why do I have so many projects going at the same time? And I always say I have a hundred ideas a year and I usually pat and I, I just sit on them and I let them percolate and they'll pop back up every couple months and I'll think through them in my bed or when I'm walking down the street, I just kind of like ponder on it. And at some point there'll be a thing in my brain that clicks and I'll go, oh, that's the idea. Now I'm ready to work on it. And because I give every idea that much time, I end up with a lot of fully formed ideas ready to come out. And I feel like one of the things that, that I talk to a lot of people about is they're used to doing... Um, they're used to having ideas and then immediately running with them. And so a lot of the gestation period is happening during production. And that to me is what sometimes causes ideas to never quite reach what someone was hoping they would be when they started. Whereas like I, most of my ideas are minimum two years from ideation to execution. And that, and I use that marination all the time as like an idea is phenomenal, but it's usually a kernel and you really can't, you really can't go until you have a full, a full bowl of popcorn. If you want to use the kernel metaphor or like until the chicken's fully marinated and you're ready to cook it. And that's something. So I use that metaphor all the time. I love that so much. Um, I, you know, it, it's really interesting because it's like one of the recipes for projects and for ideas is time. Um, yes. 
you know, it's like I have, I talk about the sometimes, well, I'm starting to like come up with more theories or like ideas of how this affects me, but there's like an in-between moment that I have. And, um, and it's, uh, it's usually when I'm like falling asleep and it's a moment where the possible, the kinetic and potential energy of what life has to offer meets. Um, yeah. and I'm, uh, I'm, I'm writing about this right now for something. And I talk about the moment where I learned how to fly. I actually know how to fly. Um, the only problem is, is I discovered how to do it in that moment in the in-between moment. Yeah. And you know, I know how to do it. I know how to fly, but, uh, the only thing is, is that the things that that are needed to do that don't, um, they haven't been invented yet. They haven't been um, uh, turned up yet. So these moments, these ideas, uh, it's now our job as multi-hyphenates, as artists, are to take those ideas that we have, those little kernels that when we're walking down the street, getting lost in that in-between moment for me it's when i'm falling in and out of sleep or just about to wake up um it's our job to now bring them into fruition yeah i i think that's really beautiful for me the only way i can guarantee an idea coming out of the idea phase and becoming something is every time I have an update to the idea, like it's been sitting there and then I think like, oh, that's interesting. And it's usually because that applies to another project and I can transfer it over. I then have to like work the idea for a few minutes and then I usually have to talk to someone, right? Like I have right. to go speak to someone and right. I, I often while speaking it think, oh, this was a bad idea. Like <laughs> I'm not there yet. Like saying it out loud made me realize what seems like a good idea in my head is still not ready for execution. And I'll finish the conversation and then I'll put it back in gestation phase and I'll let it sit in my brain for another six months. Because by putting it into someone else's space, I can watch their reaction and I can also gauge how I would react if someone pitched it at me this way. And right. that to me is crucial because it's impossible to self-edit without someone else there for me. It's why every project I do is co-produced with someone. I have that no project sense. I've ever made that's just Ned because I don't think the editing will be tight enough. No, it's very smart. I I mean, look, it's, you know, there's there's a, you know, when I when I wrote my one man show, it was only because I didn't even know I should write my one man show because it was it was based on the on when I photographed Adina for the sec for the first time. And uh, my friend Ben Rimmelauer, who has a show called Patty Issues, he was like, you have to turn that into a show. And I was like, oh, okay. And I just word vomited it out until I had a story. And I self-produced a night at the Green Room 42 where I memorized the show. Actually, I memorized it while I was on a camel in Israel. And I came back, worked my booth at Broadway con for three days. And on the third night of Broadway con, I did my one man show at green room 42. It was a less than, um, uh, uh, easy time <laughs> in, sure. to, to, to do all of that, but it was thrilling and exciting. And I learned my lesson of <laughs> pick and choose your dates, babe. Um, but, uh, I, uh, you know, 
ultimately it's the show's coming back now, but I did that in 2018. There's, it's going to be almost three years before I told that story, you know, in between when I told the story and the next time I told the story, because time is a huge equivalent and editing and having someone help you work on that show it or that project. It's important because uh, we can get clouded with our own excitement. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and for me, the other person is also crucial. I, I need someone to hold accountable because someone holding me accountable is the only way I'll be ready to go. Um, right. I, I, my, the first project I produced in New York came out of this feeling of, of, of just like desperation. I, I was very fortunate to work pretty nonstop as a musical theater actor for my first four years out of school. Um, and then I, I got my equity card and immediately everything stopped. Everything dried up. Uh, all of the roles yeah. I'd been playing were, were understudies to dads. And at the equity level, that's a non-union track or it's a dad. Like they're never going to hire the 20 year old to play that role. And, um, and it was it was uh, hard for me, and I found myself only making unbelievably commercial work. I was getting hired to do things that weren't fulfilling artistically. My soul wasn't feeling happy like it had been when I was, you know, running all over the country doing these random shows. And um, at the same time, one of my best friends from home, who's a composer, was having similar feelings while writing music for a very successful TV show. Because if you've ever seen Forgetting Sarah Marshall, like. Uh, Jason, what's his name? Uh, uh, the main character, uh, his role is writing music for this TV show and he hates it because it's just like three notes. And that was right. something my my friend was going through of like none of the music he was making felt inspired or what he wanted to make. And we decided to make a project of 10 classic show tunes rewritten uh, from 1960 or earlier, rewritten for today's radio genres just to like get in the studio with cool people and arrange fun music. And like that set me off on this path of being like, oh, I can survive being a commercial performer as long as my own art is part of this. And so that's really where I began having these ideas and saying like, well, what if I go talk to this person I would potentially love to collaborate on and maybe we'll pass the ball around for a month and realize it's not a good collaboration and move on with our day. But the only way I know ideas are ready to go is when I have a collaborator working with me. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I talk about all the time is finding your community and finding yeah. your, I was just talking with the, you know, high school um, students at Terravella. And one of the things that I signed off with them is that I was like, look around on this zoom. You will need each other again. You will, you will be doing something and you will go. Do I have, do I have Emily's number? Is it the same number? And you're going to try that number out and then they're going to be like, yeah, I could do that for you. No issue. And that's all it took was just an ask and support. And then you're on your way and you can continue. But it's, it's, you know, finding, finding community is very, uh, and support is very important. And I don't think any multi-hyphenate can exist functionally without it. Well, you know, it's funny you say that because, a new project I'm working on right now. Um, it's a new podcast I'm developing, um, hopefully with a couple of studios, but they want me to bring back a pilot first, is um, something you know, Mikey, about me. I'm sorry, Michael. Uh, I apologize. No, That's call me Mikey, from... please. Mikey's okay? Yeah, okay. I mean, the thing about the thing about Michael, it was interesting. It's like, Mikey I, I, has been a part of my identity since I'm about 
seven or eight when a group of my older friends that I thought were so cool and they were, and, and we had a really good relationship. They um, called me Mikey and it, it continued because it was like, um, I'm trying to think of how you, it, it just continued because it was like, it started in that acting group. And then I grew up in that acting group and then went to French woods and then Becca Kuznick knew me as Mikey. And then we went to Ithaca together. So it just, it just was, it just was, yeah, it just, it just stayed. But Norm John, Dr. Norm Johnson, Dr. Norm, he was the one that was like, I just, uh, I just feel that uh, Michael is a little bit more of a man. And oh. he was by senior year. He was like, I want you to go by Michael. He basically, he just wanted me to grow up in college. And, and I did, I, I did grow up in college, but um, that's when I was like, I'm Michael, I'm Michael, I'm Michael. But now if you know me as Mikey, it's just like, it's, it's refreshing. It's like, I haven't heard that name. It's like an old friend. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know? it's something, you know, about me that um, yeah. I try to be very open about just with the way I live my life is yeah. uh, in the last couple of years, I lost my parents to cancer. Yeah. And um, I spent a lot of time creating as basically the only way to keep me sane in all of it, right? Like I was writing scripts and producing music and making podcasts and doing things as my way of dealing with the fact that I was going home to be a hospice nurse, basically, to my parents. and um, But something that came out of that was I realized in the process of planning both of their funerals was I love eulogies. I love them. And mm. I'm working on a new podcast that's a storytelling podcast that brings beautiful eulogies about regular people to the forefront. But one of the when I when I'm work the episode I'm working on now begins with the eulogy I delivered at my mother's funeral. And my whole thing with my mother and the thing that she impressed on on me as a performer, as a human, was um life is not just about joining communities but making one. My mother was a was an expert at going into church and school and 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 my mother was a member of Alcoholics Anonymous and my mother joined all of these communities and then deftly found the people that were her tribe and brought them together into her own community and that's mm. really been the the lesson of my life and how I've built this collaborator list that is massive now is I do a project and there are two or three people that just perfectly sync with me and it's not that I don't get along with everyone else I do and we can work together wonderfully but they're not like the collaborator speak vibe. So they have their tribe and I have my tribe and I've brought that tribe together over a decade. And those are now my closest collaborators. They're who I'm calling every day with ideas. And that sort of uh, mentality of of bringing people together to say like you and you don't know each other, but you would be the same person's tribe is how I think a collaborators list has to be built. Yeah, babe, that's beautifully said. I agree in all counts. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Your mom seems like she was uh, such a such a uh, an inspiration and and such a role model, such a tre- a trendsetter too. 
everyone should love their teachers and remember the teachers that that lifted you up. Uh, my mother was a was an advocate for her students as a high school teacher, and her whole thing was she she made the school I come from thrives on its community. Everyone knew everyone. Students were very cordial. To this day, we all keep in touch, and a lot of that, a lot of the conversations I have with those students were built around the community. My mother. Uh, uh, engendered in everyone. And um, that's kind of the life lesson that I've taken forward. And honestly, you know, bringing it back to multi-hyphenate, I wouldn't be able to produce. Right now I have three active podcasts, a web series in development. I have scripts happening. I'm working on a couple albums and I'm developing other projects. And all of that is because on each of those projects, I have one to five collaborators who are all also working on it. And we can all keep each other accountable and pass ideas and keep working so that when any one of them is ready to hit go, we're all ready to jump. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I mean, people, I ask, I ask people, no, I don't ask people. People ask me how I do it. You have so many, you have so many open tabs. You have so many things like, yeah, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you stay focused. And I go, honey, all it takes is a Google Doc. <laughs> a good Google Doc. A good Google Doc or a, or a spreadsheet or something. It's like, as long as we lead with the why of what we do it and and we lead with good intention and openness and we're doing a project because it feels right and we're and it feels like we're going to tell the story for a reason or we're going or we're going to impact someone for more community whatever the reason is as long as we have a clear why it doesn't make it work someone asked me i was talking with this the other day and i'm pretty sure that you would feel this way as well which is why i'm bringing it up but um feel free to disagree but i was talking about getting hired and working and i was like i have not worked a day contractually like in a show or anything i've not worked since 2013 but my last contract was 2015 yep but i have worked every single day and then on the flip side i haven't worked a day in new york city because of because i love what i do so much that it's just play it's just it's just playtime. I wake up and I'm like, all right, let's, you know what? I I, I want to, I want to get that done because that's, that's going to be fun. That's going to be super rewarding. I can't wait to share that with everyone. And, and I'm going to do that today. And, and it's weird. It's like, I haven't worked, but I've worked every day, but I haven't worked at all. <laughs> yeah, I get that. For me, I think the way my mentality works in this space is I, I have always done what needs to be done to make a project happen. And I am I am cutthroat with myself to know which projects shouldn't. And um, it's it's important. Like I have found, I have so many friends who spend their lives dedicated to a project that really finished two years ago. And um, I'm, I'm very good at knowing when a project isn't viable or has reached its final phase and it's just time to move on. And so for me, like I... I I haven't worked contractually in this industry with the exception of, you know, random readings here or there since 2015. But since 2015, I've traveled the world with a web series. I have produced concerts and albums and I have I have made podcasts and all of those things have gotten me 
just as far, if not significantly farther in my air quote career end air quote, than um, the the pavement grind, because you know, I don't know if you identify with this, but I had a, a, a very well-known casting director um, when I was 25 years old, call me in and to a session with them and three agencies they wanted to introduce me to, because I was doing I was having a very good success in auditions, but not quite booking roles. And I thought it could be helpful. And one of the agents looked at me and said, you're very talented. Could you please come back when your face catches up with your hairline? Um, and as a person who's been balding, but a baby face my whole life, like I get that, like I'm not the type people wanted, but someone said to me like, well, you can spend the next decade beating your head against the wall because you're really talented, but you're not what anyone wants right now. But that doesn't mean you're not going to be what people want in 10 years. It just means what are you going to do for 10 years or go make your own things where you cast yourself in the roles or put yourself in the art that allows you to be who you are today. And that kind of mentality really led me down this path of, well, if I'm going to be a multi-hyphenate, I should learn video editing. I should learn audio editing. I should, I should understand the technologies here so that the only person I need to rely on in a pinch is myself. And the flip of that was someone said to me once, and I've always held it, never learn something you're going to only kind of know if you have a friend who knows it and wants to know it completely. It's better to rope in someone who knows something 100% and is passionate about something than try to teach yourself something that isn't quite working. Um, and so one of the things that that I have really held on to was when I have these ideas, I go through the list of things and I say, what are the, the, the requirements to accomplish my plan or my goal or my project? And then I say, which of those can I realistically handle myself? And I make a list of all the other roles I'm going to need to find someone on. And that's step one is go find either that one person or those three people that accomplish the roles for the next step, because there's no need for me to learn how to be a visual effects editor. I don't need to make special effects. I can just call a VFX guy looking for a project. And that was really the first time that I, I allowed myself to build that community in a way that said, well, why not expand rather than isolate myself? Right. And that's, you know, being a producer and being a resource. Like that's yeah. just, that's just being an influential part of the industry. You literally provide jobs for people, <laughs> you know, like yeah. that's, you literally go, I have this project. I need this. I need, I need a special effects person. I need a cartoonist. I need a this. That's literally being a producer and that's literally forging your own, your own path and paying other people's bills, which is pretty amazing. It um, is nice to pay people when I can. It's pretty amazing. I know it's an amazing feeling. It's, it's, it's amazing. Um, now let, because you're bringing up a lot of really awesome projects. Talk to me about your projects, you have The Hunted, you have Audition Cat, you have um, your podcasts, you, you're you a fight director. Tell me the things that are really fiery for you right now. Yeah, right now there's some really interesting stuff. I don't know when this episode's going to air, so one of these things I can only kind of talk about because the announcement is sometime in the next six weeks, and I'm not yeah. allowed to fully talk about it till that announcement goes out. Um, yeah. But uh, it'll, my it'll, pod it'll come out after six weeks. Great. My podcast, Encounter Party, uh, is my main project right now. We are six professional voice actors playing a Dungeons and Dragons campaign written by a novelist and playwright that's heavily edited to feel like an audio drama. So um, we've basically tried to build an experience where we can use these storytelling devices that Dungeons and Dragons offers that allow a completely improvised story to be told 
but with professional storytellers at the top of their game. So it feels like an audio fiction piece, but it almost is more exciting because you know the people in it literally don't know what's coming next. Um, that project has been seeing huge growth since we launched a year ago. And so we are partnering with a um, pretty well-known video production indie video production company in the kind of nerd content world. And we'll be producing our fourth season as a video series with them uh, on their platform. And so that announcement is coming out prior to this episode. So come on over to our social media to see exactly who I'm talking about. Um, and then, so that's my main project right now. Uh, we have a sister podcast called Living in Fantasy, which is a 10-minute news satire program telling hyper-dry, unbelievably small news stories that fantasy fantasy epics never get to tell you. So the first episode is a deep dive look at the economic impact of a dragon moving in next door to a village. Um <laughs> It's it's just very small, very dumb, but funny comments on current news culture inside absurd fantasy stories. Uh, my third podcast, which um, is not, it will again be launched by the time uh, you listen to this episode, is called At the Table, a play reading series. It was the first podcast I ever produced. We produce new plays from emerging playwrights as audio dramas with professional actors, and. Uh, uh, that show went on a hiatus back in 2018 when we kind of ran out of time and funding to keep doing it. But during this time of self-isolation, we've brought it back to produce 10 to 20 minute pieces produced during quarantine with self-isolated performers. Um, and so that is available right now. Um, Audition Cat, as you mentioned, is my tech startup. Audition Cat is building career management tools for the professional auditioning actor. So we are currently working on a suite of four tools. The first is an audition log that automatically gives you trends and insights into yourself. So for instance, I built this in Microsoft Excel back in 2015 to track my own auditions. And I ran three years of audition data through it and discovered I was 71.5% more likely to get a callback when I auditioned before 10.30 in the morning. I also discovered <laughs> that I, I had a casting director who I had auditioned for 31 times, received 10 callbacks, and for whatever reason, in all 10 callbacks, I performed and wore the exact same material. Um, and in the other auditions, I had done something else or worn something else. And who knows if causation equals correlation, but you better believe I do that material in that outfit for that casting director forevermore. Um, using this spreadsheet allowed me to increase my callback numbers by about 20% over a year. So we're building this tool out to be available to actors. It will also have a consolidated calendar of every publicly listed audition, first in New York City, but eventually expanding to Los Angeles and Chicago. Uh, it will be a, a, a relationship network manager. So for instance, I could put this in there. I could say Michael Kushner and I had a had a podcast recording. And then if I run into you at an audition and you say, when was the last time we talked? I know because of Audition Cat, it was the podcast recording we did on April the whatever. I don't know what dates are anymore in self-isolation. Um, and then uh, the last tool that our project that you mentioned um, is The Hunted Encore, which is my action comedy rock musical mockumentary web series about New York City vampire slayers. Uh, we are a spinoff of the longest running web series of all time, and we decided to make a musical version of it. We did two seasons totaling about 90 minutes each, and we went all around the world um, 
perform, uh, bringing it to film festivals. And we're very fortunate to um, win over 70 awards at 50 festivals with our second season, uh, including ranking fourth in the United States, 27th worldwide in the uh, web series World Cup. Um, on top of that, every Christmas, we produce an album of original Christmas music from local New York uh, artists and just continuing to produce art that for me is different, doesn't exist and allows people to experience something new because I've never had the urge to be someone's competition. I'd rather just offer something else. It's so funny. You literally answered the exact question I was going to ask you. I was going to ask you, what is, what's the why? And you answered it. <laughs> yeah, the why is because I I can. Like, I always think, what's the art I wish I could consume and does it exist? And if it does, great. The idea doesn't need to be percolated any farther. Someone's already yeah. doing it and that's exciting. Yeah, that's the thing. It's That's what I keep telling people. It's like, I'm, I'm almost flabbergasted by the question, how did you, how did you get started? How did, how did this happen? Because I'm like, well, it didn't exist before and I wanted to see it. So, uh, I did it. You know what I mean? It's like, I do, I, I do. And I, and I know that the question is definitely, it, it's, it's much more innocent than that. It's much more, and maybe even technical at times being like, what are the steps that you did? But the, but what I met with is that, you know, I was talking with, um, a very lovely individual, at an event and um, I was uh, there in a panel and um, we were talking and this woman kept asking me how I got started with photography. And I basically told her exactly what I did. And she looked at me and went, she's a, a photographer in her hometown and who wants to start doing work in the Broadway community. And she looked at me and said, wow, that seems like a lot of work. Uh, <laughs> and I went, yeah, it is. It's and a that's lot why I'm of here. Work. <laughs> yeah. I was like, it's a lot of work, my love. And that's the thing. It's like, uh, it, no one's, no one is going to produce the thing that you want to see in the industry because no one's even thinking about the thing that you want to see in the industry. The people that are producing the things that they want that are in the industry, the things that they want to see in the industry. And it's no exception for you. It's no well, exception for you. It's no exception. And for me, something that I always have to remind people is that there is not unlimited hours in the day for your consumer. And this is what everyone's like, well, I can find the time. It's like, right. But then you need to ask someone to find the time to consume your content. And if you are someone's competition, they, the first thing they have to decide is, are you worth giving up something for versus if your mentality, which is why I feel like I've had pretty good success in this content creation world is, well, what can I make that people aren't getting yet? It allows me to go to people and say, you may not like what I'm offering, but I guarantee you don't have access to it anywhere else. And that alone gets them in the door on my content versus saying yeah. to them, well, it's like this, but different. And they'll be like, well, I already listened to that. And you're like, great, you have to stop listening to that and listen to me. Now you're, you're starting at a negative place and it's hard to win people over that way without a serious amount of money behind you. Yeah, it's, it's literally just being the puzzle piece to the bigger picture. 
Absolutely. And and rolling with the punches. You know, I have this very wonderful set of skills that I've developed over time. And all of it was because <laughs> back to my mother. You're killing it, Deba Curtis, in this in this interview. Yes. Uh, yes, her, her life mantra that I have actually had a piece of tattooed on my body is if you're in a job interview and they ask if you speak French, say we, oui, then Google it. Like you can figure most things out. And, and so when, you know, people ask how I learned Photoshop, oh, I was at a temp job and someone asked me if I knew Photoshop and I just said, yes. Um, I, I didn't know Photoshop, but I knew by the time I needed to, I would. And doing that allowed me to have a career of these wide skill range that now I can always bring back to my art. And so there's something about the, the uncertainty that people really run from, but I have found every time I've leaned into someone asking me to do something I'm uncomfortable with and figuring it out, it has always opened a door that I never could have walked through before. Yeah. It's so funny. I have the same exact mentality of that. It's like, look, I will, I will say no to it. I want to be a trustworthy artist as well. I will say no. That's first and foremost, the most important is being trustworthy, but I will say no, obviously to a gig. If I am not the right person, I get asked to do weddings a lot. And mm. I say no, because I don't know how to do weddings. I don't want to, I don't want to deal with the craziness of a wedding. I don't want to, yeah. I don't want to hire a second camera person. I don't want to have to, I don't want to have to edit in that editorial way. I mean, it is, it is so not what I'm interested in. If I'm going to be at a wedding, I want to enjoy it. When I photograph at the theater, I'm documenting a historical aspect of some, I didn't, I didn't look at wedding dresses when I was little. I didn't, I would, didn't obsess with weddings. I obsessed over Broadway and, and, uh, Joan Marcus's name and, uh, and seeing that name in, in the bottom of a photo or obsessing over actors that I was like, I want to do that work. That's, that's when I'm like, okay, you know what? I want to be backstage for a Broadway show. I want to be in real time, seeing those moments and documenting them as well. Weddings. I love attending them. And I think that they're brilliant moments and I can't wait for mine is not how I want to work. It's not, it's not my work setting. Yeah, sure. Sure. You know, I get and, that. And, and I also just feel like even if I did do like, if, even if I did do weddings and, and stuff like that, I, I just, my heart isn't into it. And it's like, if your heart isn't into it, then you shouldn't do it. You should, what you're saying, Ned, is if your heart is into it and you want to see something change or you want to see something be created for the first time, that's your calling. That's when you have to do the job. Yeah, I, uh, 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 I, I for me, like when I think back you know, something you said in there that I think is really important to kind of caveat my previous statement is you have to be a person people trust to say no, but you also have to be someone that you trust to say no. I know too many friends trapped in projects they hate because they feel um, like they have to. And you have to know which projects are, are yours to be a part of and which projects are yours to be a consultant on, but say even to your friends, I'm so sorry, I can't work on that. And um, if you're not that person, then people don't know if they can trust your yeses either. I think right. that's the big thing is people are so afraid of if they say no too much, people will stop asking. But I personally will always call back someone who was a no, but I will never call back someone who said yes and then flaked out. 
because that's the only thing that can derail my projects, not your no. I can find someone else, but what I can't do is replace you midway through without a significant amount of shake up to what we're making together. And so that is definitely true is you have to trust yourself to say no. Well, Ned, I will trust myself to say, yes, I will never replace you from my life. I love you, you a lot. I love you um, right back. You do great work. You're inspirational. You're, you're, you're fast and forward thinking and, uh, and smart. And, um, I know that you are going to have a long, healthy and fabulous career. And I can't wait to see you when this is all over. Oh, I'm very excited to, to get back out in the world and give you a hug. Where can we find you on social media? You can find me a lot of places. Uh, I am at Ned Donovan everywhere it matters. Uh, there's actually a British journalist named Ned Donovan, uh, and he doesn't have that. So I receive a lot of his hate mail, which I think is hilarious. Um, <laughs> N-E-D-D-O-N-O-V-A-N, Everywhere That Matters. Uh, you can also find my my production work at chargingmoosemedia.com. Charging Moose Media is my production company, and everything I've ever made is listed under there. Um, please check us out. We've got a lot of cool art coming up, and especially right now, for those of you listening who are theater people and looking for content, um, At the Table, a play reading series is going to be producing new art produced during quarantine for you to consume and enjoy and hear great actors getting to stretch their muscles again, even in self-isolation. Ned, you're perfect. I love you. And um, I can't wait to see what you come up with next. Thank you, Boo. Thank you for having me. And thank you for continuing to create spaces where people can talk about the different side of art that you don't necessarily see. This podcast is a testament to the wonderful artists who aren't following the prescribed path and are making the weird, wacky, kooky, fun art that, at least for me, I've always wanted more. Thank you. And the way that you feel about this podcast, I feel about uh, Broadway Podcast Network in its entirety. There really are... Um, creating such a hub for artists to tell every single story, every aspect of life um, that goes into Broadway. Heck yeah. Go, go Broadway podcast network. Thanks for having us. Yes, of course. All right. Talk soon, Ned. Thank you. This podcast is produced by the Broadway podcast network. Make sure to find me online via Instagram at the Michael Kushner or at the Dressing Room Project, or on Twitter at mkushnerphoto, and visit me online via bpn.fm forward slash dearmultihyphenate. Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There's enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work 
or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R E R I S E T H E A T R E dot org because only together we rise. <laughs> 